Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Let's pray. Our gracious and loving, almighty, powerful God, we stand before you this morning. Acknowledging, Lord, your greatness and your sovereignty in our lives. And we thank you so much, Lord God, for the way that you demonstrate your love for us. And Lord, we stand here, Father, because of your love and your grace and your mercy and your compassion for each one of us, Lord. And so, Father, fill our hearts with gratitude this morning. And even as we sit under your authority and the authority of your word, we ask, Lord God, that you will open our minds and our hearts and our spirits ready to receive from you this morning. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Please be seated. Thank you. Thank you, team. Wow, it is such a... A blessing and a privilege for us as a church to be able to witness the baby dedications this morning. Now, we all know that we are very intentional about that, and we are an intergenerational church. If you look around, we're not a church just full of young people and young adults. We are a church of every generation being represented here today, and that's who we are. And parents, I want to encourage you to really um, celebrate every milestone and every moment of your kids' lives because it is so true. You blink, and they're all grown up. And in my case, sometimes taller than you. And that's the reason why I just keep my hair up the whole time. It just just gives me the two inches advantage the whole time. I have no plans of getting my hair down. I was, I was standing here next to my daughter last Sunday, and I was looking around, and I go, oh, my goodness, he looks like he's taller than me. It's like, I better keep this up. <laughs> now, I'm sure that, uh, that many of you were really shocked with the news of the passing of the queen. And Graham, thank you so much for leading us in that beautiful tribute, just out of, of respect. And I think if, you, if you're watching the television, it's every channel and the way. It's like now we got to know her more. And, uh, and it's fantastic, and what a woman of God and a faithful servant she was. But I also would like to draw your attention that today also marks 21 years since 9-11. It's tomorrow for America, actually, and our world has never been the same since then. It has impacted the stability of nations around the world. It has affected the way people travel. It generated stereotypes. It affected the bilateral relations of some nations, and the ripple effect of 9-11 continues to this day. Quite a significant moment in our history. And so this morning, I would like to pose this question to all of you, and I would like to give you just a few moments, uh, maybe to talk with the person sitting next to you about your thoughts. And so this is the question, here it is. If you just have 24 hours to live, how would you spend it, and what would you do? 
Come on. Talk to the person next to you. 24 hours. All right, well, you can continue that discussion. <laughs> I would be really interested in hearing some of your answers to this question because I am confident that for many of us, this question can be confronting because it highlights kind of like a different perspective, a different way of looking at viewing at life and, and what is really important. Can you imagine if you zoned in to the last 24 hours of your life, it really brings some perspective, isn't it? That we look at things differently if it was true in each of our lives right now. Statistics have shown that around 90% of people have actually expressed deep regrets on their deathbeds. An Australian nurse by the name of Bronnie Ware, who spent several years working in palliative care, caring for patients in the final 12 weeks of their lives, and she recorded their dying epiphanies. And here's the top five that she recorded. Number one, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. When people realize that their life is almost over and look back clearly on it, it is easy to see how many dreams and aspirations have gone unfulfilled. And the second is this, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. This came from mainly every male patient, according to her. They missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Often they look back and they truly realize the full benefits of having friends around them. And finally, I wish that I had let myself be happier. This is a surprisingly common theme. Many did not realize until the end of their lives that happiness is actually a choice. One of the ways that you can live a life of meaning and purpose is to understand that you are made for purpose. God has a plan for you. Our God and loving Father has a plan for humanity, and He has a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29 is a clear declaration of God to His people when they were in exile in Babylon, when He said, for I know the plans I have for you. And Proverbs 19, 21 also says, many are the plans in the man's mind, but it is God's purpose that will stand and that will Prevail. You can plan all sorts of things, but it is God's purpose ultimately that will stand and that will prevail. We have a loving Father who has a purpose for us. And so this morning, let's do a Bible reading found in John 5, and our reading starts in verse 16 through to 30, so bear with me. It's a little bit long. This is our text this morning. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, 
My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was also even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than this, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For us, as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing, Jesus said. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Amen. Amen. The background to this passage was really an encounter um, of Jesus with the Pharisees when Jesus healed the lame man sitting by the pool of Bethesda. And this guy's been sitting there for 38 years. And you can read this in the preceding passage or verses of, uh, before verse 16. This man had no one to help him. Among all the sick around him, every man for himself. He's been trying each time, and every time he misses out. Then one day Jesus came and saw him, noticed him in the midst of the crowd, and Jesus healed him without even touching him. All he said was, get up, pick up your mat, and go. And instantly the man walked. Let me tell you this morning that even in the midst of life's chaos, even in the midst of life's difficult circumstances, Jesus notices you. Yes, amen. Upon realizing this has happened, on the Sabbath, the Pharisees gave Jesus a hard time, challenged him and persecuted him. And so this morning, I'd like to unpack our passage from verse 16 and just really understand in the light of our theme, my father's purpose. Firstly is this, understanding my father's purpose, there is work to be done. In verse 17, verse 19, and verse 20, it's very clear. Jesus answered the Pharisees and said, my father is always at his work. 
And the son is also at work. He said, just as the father is at work, I too, I am working. Isn't that interesting? This could have been the perfect opportunity for the Pharisees to realize who Jesus really was. But they were so blinded by the rules and the laws. They were more interested in observing rules rather than souls. Right at this very instance, Jesus also publicly declared his deity before them, being one with the Father. The truth is, Jesus is equal with the Father. And Father and the Son is always at work. I don't know if you remember back in the 90s, a guy called Henry Blackaby wrote a book, Experiencing God and emphasize the truth that God is always at work around us. Here's the first three spiritual realities that Blackaby highlighted. He said, God is always at work around you. God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. And third spiritual reality is that God invites you to become involved with him in his work. This is where the power of the Holy Spirit enters into this reality through us. There is an invitation for us to be involved in the work of the Father, in the work that Jesus is doing, and through His Holy Spirit, He is going to invite us in and be involved in what God is doing. In other words, if you look at that, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a Trinitarian involvement in the way that God wanted to restore and bring people back to Himself. That is the desire of God. He is always at work. He is always working, whether you realize it or not. In other words, the Trinity is actively involved. It's not just the Father and the Son doing the hard work. No, He's inviting all of us. And through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we are able to join Him if we respond to Him. I had a, an interesting experience about three, four weeks ago now. I went to the bank because I wanted to do something, and it wasn't a transaction that can be done over the counter. And so they said, oh, Jonathan, this guy's going to help you. And I go, okay. So I went to this little cubicle and said, okay, Jonathan, just give me your name, and I did me, you know, your, your address and your date of birth and da-da-da. I was doing that, and I, as he was doing that, I was just on my phone, like, checking my... WhatsApp group messages and my messenger from family. And I was just like not paying attention to him. And then I was typing, typing in and he goes, Jonathan, what do you do? And, uh, and I just look up to him and I said, I'm a pastor. And usually in non-church setting, that's the end of the conversation. <laughs> and so I wasn't expecting any more. And I go, yeah, I'm a pastor. I work for a church, you know, Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. And he goes, oh, okay, you know, typing, typing in. And then turn around and eyeballed me and he goes, Jonathan, can I ask you a question? And I said, yes. So he goes, what is the purpose of life? <laughs> and I go, phone down, phone down, thank you, Lord. And here I was. And I just explained to him the purpose of life and shared the gospel with him. And what took maybe 10 minutes, I was like, Oh, Lord, maybe we don't have enough time for this. And, uh, and so 20 minutes had gone, and I said to him, Hey, if you're really interested, I would like to uh, explore this further with you, with your questions. So would you like to catch up for coffee? And he goes, Yeah, I would love that. And so I had coffee with him the following week, and same thing. 
He asked all these questions and very curious and really inquisitive about it. And then, you know, Timber Cafe was very noisy. And I said to him, look, it's really noisy here. We can't keep talking. Would you like to go for a walk? And he goes, yeah, yeah, let's go for a walk. So we did a walk around the, the campus of Cary. And the whole time during our walk, he just started to unload these questions and this burden, mental health and emotional problem, everything, just unload it. I've never, that was the first time we sat together. After the walk, I just felt like, Jonathan, come and pray for this guy. But I didn't know what he believes, where he comes from and everything like that in terms of his faith belief. And I just said to him at the end of a conversation, hey, can I pray for you? And he was really stunned by that. And so I prayed for him right at the car park. And after my prayer, I can see that he was really moved and touched because he was a bit teary about that. Last Sunday, Father's Day, he wanted to catch up again. So we had dinner, and our conversation continues. And you know what excites me? Is that I believe that God is always at work. And if we are not sensitive to discern and jump in and grab the opportunity, I could have missed it. If I just dismissed everything, I could have missed it. And so I'd like to encourage you as I just pray for that guy. I won't give, him the na- give you the name, but pray because I cannot wait for the day when his eyes will be opened and he'll be able to see the revelation of who Jesus is. You see, God is always at work and there is work for you and me to be done so that we can continue the purposes of God in the world and in our lives. Amen? Amen. Here's another story. Last year, we were invited to be part of the city of Perth Nativity Concert. And that was the first time that they've invited the churches to take care of this event. The council was willing to pay for the lights and sound and the crew and everything like that. It did not cost the churches a cent to be part of it. And Jesus' name and the story, the true story of Christmas was declared publicly in our city. And over three and a half thousand people came over two nights. And Jesus' name was lifted high. God is at work. 150 participants, 10 churches. Guess what? They've asked us again. They have asked us again to do it this year. How exciting is that? That is such a door that God has opened for us. I'm so excited. And you see, the spiritual truth is this, that God works through his people to accomplish his purposes. I am so glad that we serve a God who is intimately interested and involved himself in every area of our lives, constantly leading us, guiding us according to his will and his providence and his purpose. When Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, he said to his disciples, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Because there is still work to be done. And Paul reaffirmed this in Ephesians chapter 2. If you start reading verse 8 and you stop in verse 9, it's okay. But sometimes we miss verse 10. And I like how the Amplified Version puts it. He says, for we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed and renewed, ready to be used for good works. 
which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. There is work to be done. Secondly, understanding my father's purpose, there is a world that needs to hear the message. The message of life, the message of eternal life, the message that you can actually pass from death to life. Our text says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. There is a world who needs to hear this life-giving message, the good news of the gospel, so that those who hear and those who believe will have eternal life. That is such a beautiful gift. When Jesus healed the man, the lame man, he was not only interested in the physical healing of the person. He was also interested in the spiritual healing of the lame man. That is why he said to him, stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. If he wasn't interested in the spiritual healing of the lame person, he could just left it there and healed him and he would he'd just walk away. No, Jesus addressed the spiritual condition of the man. Why was that? How can a lame man for 38 years commit sin? Maybe stealing? He can't even walk. Murder? Taking advantage of other people? This lame man cannot walk and he's not been walking for 38 years. But Genesis 3 shows us the real state of humanity. We are all sinners before the Lord. There is a world that needs to hear the message. You know, Open Doors put together a world watch list each year, and they have identified the top 50 countries where it is most difficult to be a follower of Jesus. Most of these countries and its people have never heard the name of Jesus. You know, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. He loved the world and he gave. That's the heart of the gospel. And then in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul said, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. The word ambassador in Greek is presbyo, meaning uh, being or act as a representative. It's kind of like a political diplomatic word when you send someone as an, an, as an ambassador, representing someone or something or some authority. And Paul describes us as we are representatives of God to the world. The world is looking at us. What kind of a representative are we? We hear lines like, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. That is so true. And Jesus is actually better experienced than explained. The Father's heart for the world was, and and Jesus came to reconcile the, the world to his Father, and we have a role to play in that. At our last Ignite prayer and worship, our theme was our world, and we actually put out the top 50 countries, and we had a big world map in the hall, and, and we put individual candles to each of those 50 countries, and prayers were rising and went up as we prayed for those countries that the people who are serving there, would, they, would, uh, they would be able to bring the message of hope to these people. And when I look at those 50 countries, I was so encouraged and also amazed at the same time that as a church, we are somehow connected directly and indirectly to 11 countries through 
our offering, through our partnership, through our support with other mission agencies and other mission organizations. But there's still a lot of work to do. Thirdly, understanding my father's purpose, there is wrath that is coming. There is judgment coming. Jesus is the judge, and the dead will rise, and they will all stand before the Lord on judgment day. Now, as Christians, sometimes one of the biblical truths that people prefer not to hear is judgment. We're kind of like, hmm, that's kind of like really uncomfortable. But let me share with you that there are at least 37 Bible passages that talks about judgment. And our text shows us that there is judgment coming and Jesus is the judge. When he comes again, he is coming not as savior anymore. He is coming as judge and restore righteousness and injustice in the earth. Acts 17 verse 31 says, For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. And so, but if you are a true follower of Jesus, fear not because the Bible says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so even if the reality of judgment is going to come, we are going to stand with the confidence of what Jesus has done for each one of us on the cross. So we don't have to fear and we don't have to feel about being uncomfortable when we speak about judgment. Why? Because every single one of us will stand before the Lord and give an account of our lives, our gifts, our talents. We cannot continue living without the awareness of this. In fact, Paul is urging us in Ephesians 4, he said, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received, meaning desire to seek and live a life that is pleasing to the Father because that is part of his purpose for your life. Don't live life that echoes and reflects the regrets of most people on their deathbed. I remember the final words of my father before he passed away. He said to me and to all the children, eight of us, he said, if the Lord will heal me, I'm going to spend more time with you. And if the Lord will heal me, let's move out from this town. I'm going to buy a big block of land and we will start a new life together as a family. Well, that never happened because he died at a young age of 52. The challenge for us is this, that we are all going to appear one day and give an account for our lives. What we need to do now is to honor the Lord with our lives, Honor the Lord with our time. Honor the Lord in our work. Honor the Lord with our wealth. Honor the Lord with our relationships. And because we will all stand before him and give an account of every single thing, every opportunity that he has opened for us. And finally, understanding my father's purpose, there are workers to be sent. Workers that need to be sent. Jesus was sent by the Father. Jesus sent out his disciples. And Jesus is sending us. 
Verse 30 says, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. I choose, I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. (laughs) Jesus being sent by the Father. Jesus sending his disciples. And Jesus sending all of us. You know, Matthew 28 verse 19 says, go into all the world. And make disciples of all nations. It simply means that we are his feet to go, hands to do, mouth to speak. And where should we go? Anywhere and everywhere. In the gospel of Mark, Jesus simply says, go into all the world. There's no limit. There's no restriction away. It could be just the banker next to you. It could be your neighbor across the road. It could be someone else um, overseas or anything like that. But God is sending us. This is not a task that is completely separate and far removed from everyday life. It simply means that as we go about our lives, share and demonstrate the gospel. As you go about your life. In John 20 verse 21, Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. There are still workers you know, when one, one day when Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, cast your eyes on the fields. Look at that. The harvest is ready, ripe, plenty, but the workers are few. Ask, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send out workers into his harvest field. You know, as we speak and sit here today, we have people from our church family who have responded willingly to go. For example, Natalie Page is currently in Yemen serving the Lord, being the hands and feet of Jesus to the people of Yemen. Noreen Wright left her stable job and went to Cambodia and served for one year. Keith Gallagher, he was here last week, I mean a few weeks back, and he's currently back in Africa preaching and teaching amongst sub-Saharan people, the next generation of African leaders. One of our young adults, Alistair Smith, is actually preparing to go to Japan as a missionary and join a team with OMF in Japan and reaching university students, and he's preparing himself to leave in January. God continues to draw people and to send people, but where is he sending you? Where is he sending me? Regardless, God is calling you to go. Acts 1.8 is such a great assurance because it says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, I am sure that many of you have been challenged by the visit of Letitia Shelton three weeks ago now, the final Sunday of August. And Letitia is such a great example of willingness, obedience, and availability. You can be understanding that there is a call of God in your life. It's one thing to be willing, but it's another thing to be ready and available. Letitia just started with one project, and the Lord increased and blessed her influence and what she was doing in touching and bringing peace and healing to the pains and the hurt of her city. And the Lord increased her influence to other cities across our nation. Across the world, India, Singapore, Fiji, and other parts of the world, just start with one. Identifying what is some of the hurts and the pain in your city. What an incredible woman of God. Are you willing to be sent by the Father 
in the name of Jesus Christ, empowered by his Holy Spirit. Tim Keller said this, the purpose of Jesus' coming is to put the whole world right. That's part of God's plan. To renew and restore the creation, not to escape it. That is the ultimate purpose of our Father. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Father, we thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your Son. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for the world and for us. And so, Father, I pray that this morning you will give us a fresh revelation of your purpose for our lives. Help us, Lord, to understand that, to discern that, and yet help us to be willing, to be ready, and to be available in whatever situation you will put us in. We thank you for inviting us to be part of what you are doing in the lives of people. And Lord, this morning, on behalf of my brothers and sisters, we want to publicly declare that we want to participate and to join what you are doing. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.